Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way, our Southridge member podcast designed to give people the inside scoops on uh, life around our church. I'm here again with a podcast veteran, but newly minted connection pastor, Jeff Martins. Jeff, say hi to everybody. Hello, members. Um, I say newly minted because your role has changed recently. Hmm. Uh, Describe, first of all, how that change happened. How, yeah. does a, how does a role change around here? <laughs> well, ro- roles can change uh, in ways that you suddenly are surprised by or sp- don't expect, whatever. It, it, they happen from time to time. This one probably uh, was, a, I think, a variety of moving parts going on among us as a as a leadership team and some of sort of the, the gaps we had in different roles and things. So probably a few things that were happening subsequently. Um, but but one that probably specific to me was, was feeling... Uh, open to sort of stepping into a, a, maybe a new area of where we had need um, and sort of being excited for some some fresh focus and whatnot. And so uh, as Tom Lowen was stepping into our inspiration ministry role, which I had been previously leading, and Chris Fowler was uh, shifting uh, some of his focus uh, from the direct sort of hands-on life group ministry to more missional engagement at St. Catherine's, uh, it's created some space for me to uh, help provide leadership to our connection ministry, in particular our life group ministry, and also uh, get a little more hands-on in sort of the St. Catherine's location pastor type responsibilities. Um, so that was some of the things that were happening late, late last spring and this summer that we should move through, and I'm excited to be yeah, few, now in. A, a few pieces to that. I mean, one was just the organizational dominoes of... Chris, I think Chris's role shifting was the first one, just for people to understand that that uh, Chris Fowler, as our St. Catherine's location pastor, had uh, passion for and time investment in the shelter in a disproportionate way. And so we just wanted to kind of name that and kind of formally structure Empower around that. Empower that, unleash yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, beyond that, um, it, it became a question of conceding that St. Catherine's actually is our largest location. And so mm. it doesn't need less pastoring. It needs more pastoring. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a vacancy, let alone the supervision of that department. Mm-hmm. We haven't had a connection supervisor uh, since my brother Ben transitioned out a couple of years ago. And so that's always been a bit of a question mark for us. Then there was the question of you, know, you just feeling like you wanted to, and I, we didn't have great language for this, but just do more pastoring. Mm-hmm. And so you wanted to do more pastoring. There's a need here for more pastoring. So let's kind of be open to what God might have there. But then the obvious question is who backfills you mm-hmm. in, in running our Sunday morning ministry? And, uh, you know, formerly Tom Lone had led in that world. Mm-hmm. We talked in podcasts with Tom about that already and even recently. But uh, you, you'd been leading into Tom in a heavier way in the last eras. And so, you know, it made sense for Chris to focus on missional engagement in the shelter to a greater degree. It made sense for you to do more pastoring and it made sense to provide for Tom to provide more leadership. And so you kind of have this triple crown of moves that all of a sudden in one decision, there we uh, go. it makes sense. And yet it's, it's a whole lot of, like I said, a whole lot of moving parts that, yeah. are, that are cool to see. So um, final question on this, you, you know, now that you're leading a different department, hmm. fostering our lifestyle of full devotion in a different way, mm-hmm. uh, w- what are you most hoping for in this new position? 
Yeah, I mean, at some level, you enter into a new role like this, and I'm, I'm working with uh, the team that has been in our connection world for for a long time, and so it's a lot of it's a lot of learning and kind of getting a sense for where are we at when it comes to this lifestyle of connection as a community, particularly in the way we try to. Th- foster that and facilitate that through life groups? What's the sort of status of our group? So there's been a, a, a sort of a steep learning curve and I'd say I'm still on it for sure. Um, but a couple things I know stepping into this, I've been excited to try to just invest in is trying to see, to create as seamless as possible a process for someone around here who would feel disconnected or might be new to, to feel like they can see the steps quite clearly of how to go from disconnected to connected, to go from that place of feeling like, I'm not sure I belong, or I don't really know anybody, or I don't know how to kind of get involved or take that next step, build some community, to, to seeing that path clearly and us walking them through it in a way that meets them right, right where they're at. And then I'd say the second thing is really what the long-term vision of, of what we want people to experience in a group, and that is just actual life change through relationship, um, discipleship, as we often talk about it, just transformation of having our groups really thrive and be effective at um, building the kinds of friendships that help our faith flourish. And and just trying to see more of that, equip our leaders to, to you know, they're, they're our life group leaders are such an asset to our church to, to help facilitate that in so many people's lives and just make sure they're equipped to be the best they can be. Those are, those are things we're striving for. Yeah. So. These just so our members are clear, the, these are easier said than done yes. because people are human and unique and connection is relational and kind yeah. of ethereal. Like it's, it's hard to get a handle on that feeling of being yeah. connected. Yeah. Uh, so these processes that you talk about, you know, we're not widgets with a mechanical yeah. outcome at the end, right? It, it it's it's elusive and often case by case, and so it's it's very difficult. Certainly, you can have processes and events and programs and things. I'm trying to see the benefit, that, the benefit where possible of systems that make these paths clear but never sacrificing the relationship and the interpersonal, the organic yeah. and whatnot. And, yeah. and frankly, that, that's when it comes to this role too. You mentioned sort of, for me, a growing desire over the years of just even a little more pastoring, so to speak. Um, I'm excited in this role through that relational and or, 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 organic dynamics and the St. Catherine's sort of pastoring support to just go a little deeper relationally with with much of our community yeah. in this this next era of yeah. my, my role. So, Well, hey, we want to talk today about something that we launched into uh, back in September, which was this vision series we titled For Niagara. And I wanted to talk to you about it hmm. now that we're a couple months into this year, because this, this the, kind of the genesis for that theme came from your new department, from yeah. this group of location pastors. So knowing that the concept of being for a locality is not a new idea, we actually stole this from somewhere. So hmm. talk about where this came from and how it sparked our thinking. Yeah, well, I think we together had first heard about it uh a couple of years ago via our location pastors. Um, they had attended a conference called Orange. We've sometimes referred to the Orange concept around here that's in our family ministry. Um, and so this was sort of a family ministry, but also broader church ministry conference that they had gone to with our family ministry leaders. And they, they had heard this compelling story about a church leveraging this four dynamic and approach to doing ministry. And uh, it was one of the leaders at, at North Point uh, Church, this church in Atlanta that kind of started this whole orange thing. This guy named Jeff Henderson, uh, he was starting one of their new sites or campuses, and they actually started the whole thing based on this paradigm of being for their community. The, the county that they were in is called Gwinnett. It's the name of the, the town or whatever. 
And they started by calling their, they didn't call their church sort of this North Point site or whatever. They called their church for Gwinnett. That was like the name. That was the brand. That was the, the, the way they thought about everything. The entire launch campaign was about collecting a group yeah. of people who were interested in being for Gwinnett. Right. Period. And, and they would sort of, I mean, in sort of their communication material, they'd have bumper stickers that said for Gwinnett and they had t-shirts and they had hats. And then they had people, they were encouraging people to be in the community, being for your neighbors, being for local business, even integrating that on their websites of how they promote the, the betterment of the community, all predicated on this idea that too often the church has been known for what it's against rather than what it's for. And they wanted to completely flip that script and change that brand and built an entire church around that. And at that time, a couple of years ago, our location pastors came back and said, this is a compelling story. This is really cool. It'd be interesting to know what we can learn from that. And that kind of sat on the shelf for a little bit. They got some resources uh, from it then. But more recently, then we had heard how a church in Barrie, uh, it's called Connexus, and we, we've had some relational connections with some of their leaders before. They were implementing this four idea through a year-long kind of church uh, uh, we might call it a rally cry or sort of vision. They, they were calling it a campaign of what it would mean to be for uh, their community um, more strategically and started this for, for idea of being for, for people um, and telling tons of stories. It was incredible to see the impact that was being made even in a, in a more sort of closer Canadian context. And more recently that inspired us to say, maybe this is something in this season of our church we need to lean into. Yeah. So at the end of the day, What's your sense or, or your location pastor's sense of the whole point of the mm. Four Niagara campaign or the Four Niagara vision that we've launched? Yeah, well, I think it's at the heart of what we are always about as a church and Jesus is, is seeking us to, to be about. And that is reaching more people, being engaged in the lives of more and more people. Um and again, quite specifically in this case and in this era of the church, changing that brand a little bit, changing that narrative, wanting the reputation of Jesus to not be about something that that is just against a whole bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. but is actually for the betterment of the, the world we live in. Yeah. First things first, I would feel like the, the perspective and even the language being for Niagara reorients each of us individually in our church and as a church toward another, Mm. right? Like it's just the other's orientation is the part I love first things first. Most people can view belonging to a church and the purpose of a church in a self-oriented way. This is for me. This serves me. This grows me. This teaches or inspires me. And to just say, hey, as a church community, and we've said this before, but this vision leaks, you know, the, the the church is the only organization in the world that fundamentally exists for not itself. Yeah. And so for each of us to appreciate that we're part of this thing for somebody else. And then to, I think the second piece is to get actually specific or concrete about not just being generically for Niagara, but for being for four. I love that. For, for that people piece. and specific yeah. people, right? That I have actual individual names yep. of people that... God is calling me to, in my personal life, to be for, to have on my radar and to invest into a greater degree. But yeah, like you say, even before you get there, it's starting with something about the changing of my life and how I follow Jesus. I remember Jeff Brody, who's this lead pastor at this church called Connexus, him saying when they were starting to, to lean into this as a church, 
even before the 4-4 or the sort of church encouragement or strategy, so to speak, it was about heart expansion of if we're going to follow Jesus fully, our hearts need to continually grow for people because that's what this whole thing yeah. is about. And if we miss that, we miss the whole point. And that, that is, is the purest essence that then turns into this way to think about being for people in a, as my heart grows, how, okay, how do I do that? Right. How do I live that out? And how do we live that out as a community? Right. It's not for our members. It's, it's not a strategy mm. of how to invest in or reach for people in your life. It's actually a paradigm shift and a heart transformation where in an increasing way through my follower, my followership of Jesus and my belonging to this church, I am orienting to the other instead yeah. of orienting to myself. Yeah. And the more I'm orienting to the other, then the next phase is how to be for, yeah. for, or yeah. to be for these, these people in, in my lives. Um, so we've said that this vision isn't new. Uh, you know, how would you kind of articulate what you're looking for a person to do this year. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think in sort of what what is this, if, if our hearts do grow, and then we think in these terms of being for people, and particularly for for people, what what, what happens? What do we do? Uh, one of the ways to think about this is, is really, I think, through just extending more proactive hospitality and love to others. And sometimes in, in church language, they talk about this strategy of kind of or this, this, again, way of thinking about uh, caring for people, of investing in relationships with them, and then maybe having opportunities to invite them into the faith community. And I, I think there's merit to that. Um, but without making anyone some invitation project, this is actually just about being the investment kind of people. This is about the investment side of that kind of way of thinking or that equation where uh, I'm, I'm looking to get to know the people in my neighborhood, in my class that I sit across cubicles with, I'm interested again in getting the, the, the sort of gaze off just myself in learning and understanding how they see the world, what kind of challenges they feel like they're facing in life, in parenting in marriage or whatever. And then I'm trying to pay attention to how can I welcome them into my world, into my life and, and, uh, you know, invite them for dinner, go for coffee sometime, ask how you're doing and mean it and actually create the minutes that lets me listen to how you're doing and then maybe pray for them or send them texts of encouragement and just start behaving more proactively, seeing the other person and trying to invest in their life. And that can mean a myriad to of tons them into of things. Yours. And, and ultimately invite them into yours, which might yeah. translate into faith communities and things at, at some point. But it's investing to, yeah, invite them into yours for their sake and frankly, for the reciprocal dynamic of yours together. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, and I love this paradigm of invest and invite. At the end of the day, that's what we're looking for hmm. practically from people. Invest and invite. Uh, invest, not meaning you know, respond that one time a year, every few years where a friend of yours is in crisis. And so now yeah. you, you know, now you're, you're, you're pouring into them in a way that you, your regular rhythm wouldn't, but just investing in them in an ongoing way and having them on yeah. your radar and trying to reach out and proactively make a difference, uh, in a, in a much more day-to-day -day way. And then the invite side, not inviting them to the Christmas service yeah. or trying to make this big stupendous ask yeah. of, of, of them to, to engage religiously, but just 
investing in their life, translating into inviting them into yours, yeah. inviting them for coffee, inviting them for a drink, inviting them over for dinner, inviting them to experience some of the things that you're experiencing, inviting them to watch the game and just, you know, be with them. Invest and invite at the end of the day is what we're looking for. But, and here's the thing that I think we kind of focused on in the, in the series, um, it's not as easy to be for Niagara because our starting point isn't that people assume that the church and followers of Jesus hmm. are for them. That we actually recognize this wrinkle that there's a roadblock when you talk about yeah. the brand and you know Jesus being oriented to the other and we're oriented to others and we're trying to be for people. That isn't people's baseline assumption. And we, we, started, we cited statistics, we shared stories of, of people and society in our day and age who actually assume the opposite. They assume that the church is often against people. And we talked about these uh, kind of high-level impacts of hypocrisy and judgmentalism and distrustfulness, especially when it comes to money, that are kind of the barriers we're working against. Mm. And so we were kind of doing two things in yep. this series, both inspiring people to be for Niagara and for their four, but also attacking these existing reputational impressions. And so from your perspective, why was it so critical for us to address those issues head on? Hmm. Yeah, I think it's... It's kind of recognizing again, both from the positive vision of being for, but also the corrective, uh, the necessary corrective of, of what do we need to change about us. Recognizing again, this, that some of this all starts with us, not in a self-oriented, self-centered kind of way, but in a Jesus wants to change me, which changes as a lot of me's are changed. We are changed as the church, which changes the, who the church is to the world, to the others. And so I, I think we needed to, and continue to need to, to sort of uh, address those kinds of barriers because for me, it's all about us looking in the mirror and, you know, we haven't wanted to be harsh sort of about church, about our church or even other churches. We don't want to be competitive in, in any kind of way, but we want to take honest looks in the mirror to say, what kind of transformation has to start in me so that the heart expansion can happen and people actually see, oh, this, this, this church movement is actually something that wants to love me, care yeah. about me, makes my life better even before or if I believe this exact same things. They just want that for me because that's who Jesus is. And Jesus is trying to restore people's lives. And I think the starting by looking in the mirror is pretty important. Um, I know Jeff, this guy, Jeff Henderson, who kind of imagined this whole four movement. And I, he just recently wrote a book called Know What You're For, kind of articulating this. Haven't read it yet, but he talks about the fact that we just need to be honest about the fact that there is often a gap between what we want to be known for and what we actually are known for. Yeah. And have right? you ever experienced that in your own life where you're innocently and at some level redemptively trying yeah. to be oriented to another? Hey, I've got you on my radar. I love you. I want to invest in your life. And, you know, you're kind of naively seeking to invest and invite mm -hmm. uh, in a relationship. And all of a sudden you ran into the roadblock of, whoa, these people have way more issues with me and who I yeah. represent yeah. than I even realized I've got some repair work to do. Yeah. I think, you know... For me, I'm someone who has, in a way that is unique to my story and I'm grateful for, uh, I've never not known 
being part of church. Like I've grown up in church over that decade. Worked you were in literally church, born like, into this church. Into this church. Yeah. I, I don't know not being the church person. In that sense, the Christian person, the person seeking yeah. to, to be a part of what Jesus is doing. And, and in some way, I think a couple of things happen, both internally. I, I know one of the things I've always needed to keep letting Jesus change in me and, and is any holier than thou complex that I somehow could live with because of that kind of upbringing or way of living or whatever. And it, then it's interesting anytime, and probably any of us as followers of Jesus, if you get in this conversation, we've experienced this, you know, you're having the conversation maybe with someone you either don't know well, or you're getting to know or whatever, and they find out you're a Christian or you go to church or try telling them you're a pastor when you're yeah. like, and there are times where you can quickly notice something changes in the conversation. In fact, and, most times. And and probably most times. It's and, almost and a, never good news. Unfortunately, I feel like, dude, all and, of a sudden my right. wife has to say, oh yeah, my husband's a pastor and now boom, now, you, now you've got this wall. And, and that could be bad. It could seem like bad news for one of two reasons. Either I actually already have had enough, ex- this person's had enough exposure to me to maybe see hypocritical things. Like they're now applying a lens on me that maybe I haven't been as Jesus-like in whatever interactions right. that it's like, okay, they, they're going to make an assessment and, or because of other experiences they have suddenly they, it's weird when there's suddenly less safety rather than more. And you need to work through that to create this, this sense of safety, the sense of trust, again, the sense of just love, welcome, hospitality, uh, that, uh, I'm not now out to get you or out to Convert fix you. you, fix you. I'm the one that's going to save you, you, judge yeah. you. Right. I'm going to tell you what's right. Cause you're probably wrong on most things. Yeah. That's an ice that you need to break through. And, but maybe more than just breaking ice. Sometimes it's still a transformation to be more like Jesus because people actually felt safer around Jesus rather than less safe. Yeah. Especially those outside the church circle, the holier than thou circle, yeah, right? Yeah, one of the big impacts for, for me and my friendship circles that you run into in that brick wall, uh, and it's kind of the combination of all of those hypocritical, judgmental, distrustful sort of impacts is the assumption, as soon as they find out that we're followers of Jesus, or more importantly, that I work at a church, that they are immediately a project. Yeah. For me, that's the thing I have to overcome. And I've had a number of conversations in recent years with good friends where I've said, you have to know whether you are ever interested or engage in a life of faith, specifically around or with our church, I, I don't care. Yeah. I, we want to be your friends, period. Yeah. And there is no conditionality on that. And and I've had friends really appreciate that because that was kind of a unspoken, almost elephant in the room. Yeah. Like, why are you caring about me? Why are you interested in me? What, you know, yeah. what advantage do I have to you? And, and overcoming that, I guess the, the, the question I would ask for all of our hearers is, you know, what would you say, Jeff, to any of our members who don't intuitively feel those barriers or maybe don't want to face those impact realities in our lives? We just assume that people yeah, look yeah. favorably towards the church and don't realize that we've got compensatory work to do. Yeah, I, I, I think of a couple things. I don't know if this this... I think the the fear of someone feeling like they're going to be a project to you 
is actually a fear that exists on both sides of that relationship. Because I think by and large, we don't want to make anyone feel like a project. I think you think of this whole four, four idea. And something like, I don't want to make my friends or my neighbors or whatever. I'm not trying to make anyone a project. And I heard recently Danielle Strickland tell this, this story related to navigating these kinds of friendships, which for me was, was illuminating and, and quite interesting. She had was saying that she had been playing basketball with a bunch of gals and whatnot, building some friendships, with people she didn't know. And her and this one girl started to kind of hit it off and connect. And they decided to, I think, train for a marathon or half, I don't know how far they were running, train for a, a running race together. Running together. Jeff yeah. could speak more intelligently yeah. to that. Um, and they started training together and running together. Uh, but early on, as they were starting to sort of commit to doing this together, the other the other girl had sort of asked Danielle, oh, are, are you a Christian? Or she kind of picked up on that somehow, the faith perspective in Danielle's life. And she said, yeah, yeah, you know what, I, I am. And she said, okay, well, I'm only willing to do this if you never talk about Jesus. And that kind of took Daniela back a little bit. She, she reflected on it. She said, she's, cause she said, I, I don't want to be your project. Am I just your project? And Danielle paused and said, you know what? There's, there's no way you're going to be a project in my life. Like I've just loved getting to know you. This is fun. We're going to train for America. Like we just have common shared life and interest. Yeah. Let's do that. But she actually said, well, am I a project to you? If I can't be authentic about my life. Cause if I can't share about, if, if we keep sharing life together, can I share about my life? And she said, just asking that reciprocal question of like, am I your project in some way actually allowed them to, and you got to be at a place of a certain level of equity and, and trust, but have a really honest conversation about, can we just be authentic human beings together? And I think that learning how to do that, your story is not going to be the same as that one. Um, but learning how to be authentic and not feel like you have it all together and being okay with that, I think is key. And then in that being consistently overwhelmed this, I mean, we've been talking about this Galatian series about the grace you've experienced and are experiencing and need to continue experiencing. Um, that to me, sort of always seeing the the many planks in my eyes before anything else to me helps break down those walls of authenticity yeah, yeah, in relationship yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. So yeah, there's no, a couple thoughts. Great. Hey, uh, now that we've launched into this ministry year around this theme, and we're now a couple months in, uh, so we don't want to forget where where this thing is is headed or what it's about. Um, what can we expect is going to happen in this coming year to support us for being for Niagara and being for our four? Yeah, uh, I think the thing mostly coming out of launching this idea and trying to equip and encourage. All of us to, to kind of have four people, at least four, uh, on the, the radar um, is hoping that out of that, there will be just stories of where those friendships go and what kind of difference we can make in people. And at some level, that being a thing that is a catalyst, it kind of depends on all of us. It depends on me actually being a person that is, again, taking this seriously in how I am others oriented so that I can see God work through those activities. And our hope is to tell a bunch of stories, which kind of depends on all of us actually living that out and then sharing some of those back with us. And then a couple other things that I think will relate to how, as people might get invited into your life that might also connect with our, our broader faith community. Um, we're running, uh, we're going to be running an alpha program in the new year, which is basically a small group oriented way to unpack the bigger questions of life and what role Jesus might play in them. And anyone that's just curious about that at a really like safe and honest and 
ask anything kind of way. Uh, we're hoping that at least creates a space for, for those kinds of relationships to kind of enter into that together. And out of that, there's this really cool life group curriculum uh, that's called Life Shared that is all about this investing and inviting into your life way of being. We're going to try to support our community by encouraging that in groups in the new year um, to just keep having Jesus inspire our hearts to how to, how to be these people in the world. Yeah, so just, just so our, our members are clear, the reason we're talking about Alpha now, we're probably going to launch it when? January, February? A- end of January is the plan. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this takes some lead up. And at the very least, if we've got being four people and four, four on our radars, again, not in a project sense, but in an opportunity kind of a way, uh, let's appreciate that this is something that we can uh, prepare for and even work towards. Um, you know, alpha by specifics is, it's like a Christian basics video series Mm -hmm. done in a small group environment or in a collection of small group environments, uh, over meals. Yeah. Right. So there's a very kind of specific strategy to this where you're inviting someone to join you, right? You're inviting them to be with you through a meal to watch a video in successive weeks and talk about it. That's in the, a really accessible, really safe, yeah. and really, I, I I know I've just more recently been familiar familiarizing myself with the, the the updated alpha material, and it's really engaging, and it's really honest, and it's really real life oriented, and and again, I think something that can connect with the heart of somebody that might still be a bit wary of church in general. So that could be a cool on ramp for just real life conversation. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, you mentioned the sharing of stories and certainly yeah. that's going to inspire us and, and build some groundswell and some enthusiasm and momentum and all that. Um, practically speaking, what can people do to share these stories? If all of a sudden we've seen God work and, you know, we've been able to see him through us before some of our four, like yeah. never before, uh, <laughs> what do we do with that? How does that story become something that gets shared? Yeah. Well, we have a email address that simply is stories at southridgechurch.ca following the form of all of our, our email addresses that frankly, anytime there's a story, a God story, like that could be a place to send it. You can send it to frankly, any leader around our community. And, and we love to hear those stories, but I'd really encourage you to think about what do you see in someone's life? You know, or what are you experiencing? Or what has someone done f- for you, maybe even reciprocally in these relationships? That there's almost, there's no activity of God that's too small to share. I'm not saying every email we get in this variety turns into some video or things like that. Because lots of people sometimes are a bit hesitant about that. Or they kind of feel like usually the greatest barrier to, to hearing stories and sharing them is, oh, I don't have a story. And yet I think more of us the do. false humility. Yeah, and, and, and just lack of recognition yeah, yeah. of what God is doing, sometimes in small incremental ways. And so I'd encourage you to email us something, either from your circle or from your life at stories at southridge.southridgechurch.ca this year. And or if you're in a life group, that's a place to share those stories, hear those stories, share with your life group leader. And those in particular in my world, in my ministry, will funnel up uh, to, to our team. And we'd love to hear those because I think those will inspire more of this way of life in the yeah, rest of us. So. Yeah. Um, wrapping this up, describe for us what's happening by the end of this ministry year, if Mm. God's able to deliver on this theme of being for Niagara. We often talk about in September, looking towards the end of June and being able to raise a glass for God moving us somewhere, making us someone or something. Uh, Describe what June looks like if we are for Niagara like never before. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the pictures 
of of the church, certainly in the New Testament, is this image of we sometimes use this phrase like thousands saved and thousands loved. And you think if eight hundred to a thousand people who generally engage with our community were each for four people, we got thirty five hundred people that we're trying to be oriented towards more than we ever have before. And I think that will produce a loving and saving sometimes is a word that's a bit can be confusing or misconstrued or scary, uh, but in a reciprocal way of more and more people experiencing the grace of Jesus that makes us more into the human beings he's made us to be. I think we could be for we could have that experience among thousands of hearts and lives this year in a way that we haven't last year or that God will do using this intentionality. God will use it um, incredibly powerfully. And I think as that changes the narrative of the church and hopefully of our church, I think it actually makes what we do together as a church more accessible. Somebody who thinks I could never turn to the church to find meaningful, vibrant answers to the big questions of life or spirituality, somebody's like, Maybe I could. These people that they they are sharing authentically how that Jesus has met them in that, and and maybe quite practically through things like alphas or life groups or Easter baptism. Suddenly, we actually see people putting trust in Jesus, all because we chose to be more deliberate in having our heart care about that person on the other side of the class, or you know, in our workplace or in our neighborhood. Yeah. At the end of the day, gang, that's what this is about. Literally thousands of people across Niagara being affected with the life and love and opportunity of Jesus Christ like never before, kind of tracing it back to because people like you and me and us together allowed our hearts to be changed. Yeah. That's what this journey is about, and we're excited to be on it. Thanks for joining us in this conversation. We'll see you again next week as we continue finding our way together. Take care.